Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So that was, didn't say the name, welcome to Believe in Kentucky first of all, but that was a little audio from Jalen Whitlow's run where he got... <laughs> I didn't Mark know where that which one that, that was. Mark Stoops his second win. I, I was trying to see if he said Whitlow, but it was a little highlight clip, and so I was like, "Let's put the little audio in there." A Tom calling the run. You talked about it uh, against Alabama State, and and so uh, yeah. But look, the Believe in Georgia guys—they play a little clip of a Israel Troop highlight uh, catching the pass or something in Sanford Stadium. I was like, well, "We can do that here too." So. You know, a little Jalen audio. Maybe I didn't piece it in there right, but we'll we'll work on it and get better. That's so impressive find. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's a good one. <laughs> so a little different beginning, but look, welcome to Believe in Kentucky. Got Aaron Gershon from the Cats Paws, the former UK quarterback Jalen Whitlow. We uh, reminisce on the run he made against his uh, fellow Montgomery, a lot of fellow Montgomery, Alabama natives. Fellas, how we doing this week? Good, man. Thank you for Yeah, good, man. Big week. Big, big week. It's been busy, and uh, this one kind of deter. I think this is the game. Obviously, you know, you're 4-0. That's great. This is obviously your biggest test yet, and this is the tone center right here. If you can win this game, you know, you can – you know, I, we'll see what happens at Georgia next week, but conceivably uh, your chances to win the East or at least finish second, uh, they're all there for the taking. You can run the table at least for that second spot in the East if you can't, you know, upset Georgia next week. But if you lose this one, uh, that then you have some concern about this team and uh, what the future is for this season. So huge, huge week uh, for Kentucky here with the Gators coming to town Saturday afternoon. Kentucky 4-0. We've got out of Nashville with the win to start conference play. Oh, jumped all over them at 11 o'clock. I mean, 11.30 yeah. is 24 to nothing already. <laughs> yeah, 21 nothing is the largest uh, first quarter lead of the Stoops era. So that's how dominant the first quarter was. Um, and really midway through the second. But, again, it's kind of what's been cont- – my dog is joining in here. Um <laughs> But uh, what's killed Kentucky this year, not killed, but what's hurt them this year and set them back is these 10 to 20-minute spurts where they just are all out of sync offensively. Uh, In this case, they had a a bad defensive possession too, but more so the offense putting pressure on that defense uh, to be perfect. And for in this game, it was the last five minutes of the first half and first uh, five or so, maybe a little more of the – second half so uh they got to eliminate those they got i mean every team's gonna have a run of momentum it's like basketball college basketball where it's a game of runs a little bit but 
it's prolonged spurts that are keeping this team from hitting a second gear um, and playing full four four full quarters of good football. So um, that was the frustrating thing. But overall, I mean, it's hard not to be pretty pleased with a, a 17 point road win. You know, they put backups in at the end. Vandy scores a garbage time touchdown. So even the scoreboard, it wasn't as close as the scoreboard showed. You jump out to that 24, nothing lead at 11 AM uh, in that, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a tough atmosphere from a, fans going crazy noise silent count standpoint but tough atmosphere with the you know the aesthetics of it uh the setup and everything so overall i, I think you got to be pretty pleased with that win but definitely still you know a little more meat on the bone as we keep saying every week yeah that was the that was a title of an episode two three weeks ago yeah kind of the narrative coming out of the press conferences um i just named this one four good quarters equals three in a row in Florida. So it's basically, yeah. you know, and that hadn't happened around here in a long time, but they, they put a complete game together. I think they'll, you know, notch another victory over the Gators. Beat them in Lexington in 2021, went down there and beat them again last year. And, you know, they, they put four quarters together. I think they can make Florida one-dimensional and then, you know, handle business again this coming Saturday. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, obviously, you know, it, it, it almost seems after the game that they, it seems like they are already always frustrated and they are already <laughs> are thinking about the, the negative things that they got to say after the game. Um, yeah. However, you know, anytime you jump out on an SEC opponent 21-0 in the first quarter, it's a big deal. You know, that's, that's dominance, you know. Uh, Anytime you beat an SEC team at home, and they acknowledge this, is that's a big deal. That's a good win. Um, you know, obviously, more consistency on the offensive side of the ball is always what they're looking for. Um, but I also think it's just a work in progress, too, man. This week It was week four, you know, or game four. Right. So, you know, once you hit that fifth, sixth game, you really want to catch a rhythm. Uh, some people say third and fourth game you want to catch a rhythm, but I thought, I thought they – Played pretty well. I mean, you you yeah. score that many points on the SEC opponent. Now, obviously, the defense scored uh, twice. You know, <laughs> so, but you know, I think you know, anytime you can beat a team that bad, uh, you know, I think it's good. It's good that you have a good defense to allow your offense to gain rhythm. You know, to take their time to get that uh, that flow going. So, I think it's big. I think this week will be extremely huge. I think if they can get this game. Um, you know, you're five and zero to start the season. I mean, that's that's pretty good, um, and I think it, it kind of sets you up to where your team is extremely confident moving forward uh, into the biggest game of the year, which would be Georgia. So uh, I think it'll, you know, it, it's going in the right direction. You know, special teams seem to be playing pretty solid. Uh, defense. Anytime your defense is scoring touchdowns and sacking the quarterback uh, and holding a quarterback who has been one of the best passers in the nation. Yeah. I mean, AJ Swan has been. They beat terrific. him up. Yeah, he, he he's been terrific this year outside of Kentucky. So um, that I think that's a good outing, man. That's a good job. Yeah, it absolutely was. Especially not just Swan. They have as as good a receiving core, at least in the east side of the SEC. I mean, with Will Shepard and Shepard's held the two catches. McGowan was making plays. He didn't even have a catch. I think just a, a short run, and then. Uh, London Humphreys only had two grabs or two or three also. So they were able to do a really good job of that receiving core. But, yeah, this week uh, we were saying it before the show, man, it, it's the tone setter. Like they played four games. 
They went 4-0. They should be 4-0. And they, they did some good things and did some things that can still be built upon. But if you win this game, you're 5-0. and Even if you lose this Georgia game, you know, your goal is to win the East. So I don't want to poo-poo it and just say they're going to lose, whatever. But at least you're in a position where, you know, if Georgia were to have a slip-up because they have looked vulnerable, you could be the team that could overtake them or at least finish second. And you're you're – putting yourself in, in play to have one of those New Year's Six Bowls, which they haven't gotten to yet. So if you win this game, there's the road to a special season still there. If you lose it, it's not gone, but it's a lot harder because you're going to go to Georgia next week. Um, you know, the confidence, assuming you lose this week, lose next week too, you're losing two two games in a row. You have Missouri going into the bye week, which is a team you can't sleep on at this point because they're 4-0 and they have two quality wins. Uh, one on a neutral site, one on, at home against a, a pretty good K State team, um, and then you got Tennessee, who we all know the history there. You got Starkville, where you know the history there. So it gets tough. So you, this is a a massive, massive game that's going to, I think, set the tone uh, for what this year is going to be. Because um, you know, again, four zero, you're supposed to be four zero. Um, doesn't matter. It matters how you got there, and it it also doesn't. I, I think. <laughs> I think the season kind of starts Saturday, if we're being real. This is where it's time to strap up and uh, and get a big one. Yeah. As always, brought to you by Believe.com, Believe Podcast Network. You can watch us live streaming here on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, the audio version will be out uh, wherever you listen shortly after we finish up. So, uh, Retweet, tell your friends about it. If you want to comment, throw a comment in there. And, you know, if I pay attention, I can even show it as we talk. So, you know, got to get used to that and continue to remember that. So, feel free to jump in here and ask questions or, or give Jalen restaurant recommendations when he comes back to Lexington, whatever you want to do. We got some good ones from Mark Story a couple weeks ago. If y'all listen to that, he has some good recommendations as well. Uh, we continue to do that too. Um, you mentioned, you know, they, they don't get a lot of plays. The 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 scoop the the pick sixes by Harrison, you know, took away possessions yeah. for the and offense. The, and the pick that got him to the eleven took away. Yeah, too. yeah, the DJ pick sure is. That was a play. <laughs> Swan was what, sixteen or forty, right? Something something so like that. Yeah, I'll pull up the exact. I think that's exactly right. Forty percent on the day. So I mean, Jalen, that ain't that ain't cutting it no. No matter where you're playing. No, yeah, that 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 is that says that you got dominated on the on you know up front in particular. Definitely in coverage too, man. They always stoops defenses has always have always done a good job in coverage, man. They've always been that way. Um even you know, my when my sophomore year, which was his first year at Kentucky, I mean, the disguises, the amount of guys that I mean dropping eight. You know, dropping seven, dropping six. Um, you know, playing cover two, playing cover four, playing cover three, cover zero. The different match coverages that they play now—they've evolved a lot since I've seen it. You know, face to face. So, I just think it's—you know—when I watch film on Kentucky's defense, it's it's complex, man. It, it gives offensive coaches a lot of problems uh, because there's so much to prepare for. There's so much to prepare for when it comes to a stunt and blitz point of view just an overall static front point of view, they're never consistent with their front. It's always moving. Uh, yeah. It's always fluid. It's very multiple. Um, so that causes issues. It's a tough It's a tough week of preparation for a college program uh, 
who only have X amount of hours to really prepare for that stuff, man. Uh, so it's tough. It's you know they do a good job. Brad White is very underrated. In my so opinion. good. Um, what they do on defense, man, it, it, it could give you a headache to prepare for if you were offensive coordinator. So, you know, now the talent is a lot better on defense. So, you know, I, I can see them being one of the best or one of the nation's elite at the end of the year if they continue on this trend because they're getting a lot of turnovers. I mean, Harrison is like, Harrison might as well play receiver the amount of balls he's getting. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it, 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 it's looking good, man. If they can be good on defense and good on special teams. I think the offensive, you know, the offensive catch up and, and they'll do their thing. Even I say catch up, they're, they're not playing bad. No, they're, they're just not, maybe not playing as consistent as they would want, but they're not yeah. playing bad by any stretch of imagination. No, I, I want to get into something with the offense later, but going off, you said pretty much everything I want to say, just expanding on that defensively. I think the thing that's really the two things that they struggled with last year that. You know, they were still a great unit, but the two things that maybe held them back from that elite status you're talking about there, Jalen, sacks and turnovers. And I think they're leading the SEC in turnovers right now. Like you said, Harrison has three picks. Um, they've had a couple forced fumbles in there. Uh, they've been ball, ball hawks, which is awesome because it's not something that uh, Brad White, as great as a defense coordinator as he is, I agree, he's underrated. I can't believe he's not a head coach or a DC somewhere. I mean, credit to him for being loyal because he could easily be the DC at LSU right now. Um, But uh, yeah, but they are taking away the ball at a high rate and they're getting to the quarterback. They're tied for six in the SEC in sacks where last year, I believe they finished dead last in the SEC. They only had 20 and I believe they're at 11 already this year. So, and it's a lot of different guys doing it. I I think the team leaders are all tied with a sack and a half. And that's what's special about this front seven more so uh, just, you know, the inside backers are Trevin and D-Jack. You know, Martez Thor has been in there a little bit lately, but more so on the D-line and at outside backer, man, they can rotate the hell. Uh, they're two to three units deep, and that's keeping guys fresh. That's I was talking to the guys about it today. Uh, Keyshawn Silver, Octavius Oxendine, and Tyrese Fairberry. They're like, we're fresh, we're healthy. And that's not all. And I asked Keyshawn, like, is this normally how healthy you feel five weeks into a season? He said, no. Like, usually they're more beat up because they're playing a lot more. But they can rotate so many different dudes. I mean, you're talking on the D-line alone. Walker, Saunders, Silver, Hayes, um, Dinkins, and I'm probably leaving got Ripka, Ox. I mean, there's a lot of dudes there. And then an outside backer, JJ's off to a little bit of a slow start. He only has one sack through four weeks, but you know, you've gotten help from Tyrese Fairbury. He comes in on a free rush last week and he forces an errant throw on third down. Um, Noah Matthews is starting to rotate in there a little bit. So they've got crazy, crazy depth on the front seven, which is keeping guys healthy, uh, keeping guys fresh. And um, they always seem to have fresh legs going at, legs going after the quarterback, and that's obviously also helping them in the run. I mean, how about Darian Henry Young? He's got a sack and a half, and he's affecting games uh, at the DN spot as like the third stringer there. So um, a, a lot of depth. And then in the DBs, yeah, the DBs, Phillips and Harrison, man, they're playing out of their minds, both of them. I know Phillips doesn't have the pick yet, but you look at some of the pass breakups he's had, some of the tackles in the open field. I mean, him and Harrison, the two highest graded corners in the SEC right now, and Harrison second in, in the country. Like you're getting elite DB play uh, at corner, and you know those safeties. I don't know if they've showed up in the stat sheet as much this year, but 
you know, specifically Zion Childress and Jalen Geiger, they're affecting games too. So it's a it's a deep defense, and we all know – I don't even have to go on a Trevin Wallace thing right now. We all know what he can do at inside backer. Um, it's a really, really good defense that's going to help them have a chance every single week. Um, and then we can get into more of what the offense needs to do to complement it. But uh, you got to feel really good about this defense. And this Florida offense, they can run the ball really well, you know, with ETN and Johnson a little bit. But – you know, Graham Mertz is not a guy who's going to beat you down the field. If you're able to get up to that, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say they're going to get up to a 24, nothing lead. That's not going to happen this week, but if they were to take a two possession lead early, that's enough to bury this Florida team. Cause they are not a team built to come from behind. You saw what happened against Utah. Same thing. They got down early and they just, even though they, the defense held Utah in the second half, they didn't have the, the cats to, uh, to fight back. They just didn't have the firepower. I got a couple questions too for you, Jay. I get the one now. Just going back to the defense because you said that they have evolved a lot. You know, uh, how much of that is by necessity because of what offenses are doing? How much of it is by choice and kind of a natural progression that we would eventually get to this anyway? Just because he kind of in his bag and he's. You know, got better talent, got more depth. How much of it is that? How much of it is these offenses are doing this and we got to adapt to slow them down? How much, how would you divide up how you think that evolution is taking place? Yeah, I think it's a little, it's a little bit of both. I think uh, offenses are definitely uh, evolving. I mean, they, my last year playing at Kentucky was 2013. So that's, that's 10 years ago. Offenses have, have evolved a lot. Um, you know, just not even from what most people see. Obviously, most people see a lot more, you know, fireworks. Most people see a lot more motion and, you know, fast motion and what kind of what the Dolphins is doing now. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> a, lot, a lot more, um, you know, just flexible personnel, right? So I may be in 11 personnel or I may be in 12 personnel, but both of my two tight ends and 12 personnel can play receiver. They can play outside. They can play inside. They can play off the ball as an H back or sniffer. They can play on the ball on the line of scrimmage. I mean, they, it's so much that the flexibility, you know what, this is kind of nerding out right here, but this is what I really feel. I really feel like this kind of the shackles have been taken off of the minds of coaches. Most coaches have yeah. been extremely, you watch the most NFL teams, especially about 10 years ago and even five years ago, they, they, they are extremely cookie cutter. Everybody's doing the same thing. You know, you, it takes somebody like McVay or McDaniel or Shanahan, the, the son Shanahan, to really yeah. revolutionize this thing, man. And really, you know, I'm not saying older coaches weren't revolutionary when it comes to concepts and scheme and whatnot, but now offenses are so diverse and so multiple and so wide open that, as a defensive coordinator, if you're not adapting, then you're getting 50 hung on you every week. You know, it's just it's that simple uh, because everything evolves. Now, on the flip side of that, defenses have evolved so much to where offenses have to evolve again. So, uh, you know, I think it, it's just a cat and mouse game kind of, you know, year you know year to year, you know, every few years or four years, five years or so, this thing really flips on its head and it goes back and forth. So, uh, you know, we went from seeing teams having to find a way to cover this or to, to, you know, play the spread offense to defend the spread. Now teams are going back to how do I defend multiple tight ends, multiple fullbacks? How do I defend that now? Because teams are evolving, they're changing. So 
You know, I heard Nick Saban say last week he was talking about how now uh, we figured out how to defend the spread. Offensive coaches are going back to more traditional, bigger personnel in football, uh, older school football, right? Your tight ends, your fullbacks, running inside, running the power, uh, getting back on the center, right? I'm training quarterbacks now. And we're, we're, we have to – and it's funny how this works. Three years ago, we weren't touching much under center stuff in my training center or I should say our training sessions. Now, we are we don't go much time without going under center. We are working under center. Because my offense that we run at, at the school I coach at, we play football under center. Very little, but we do it. right? When I first started coaching in 2017-18, nobody was under center in high school. Nobody. Now everybody's being multiple. So to make a long story short, his defense had to evolve, but at the same time, He's got new coaches, new ideas, uh, new philosophies to where, you know, naturally some of those ideas trumped his old idea. So he had to take on that. So I think uh, you get guys like Summerall and Brad White and some of these other guys who come through there. You know, you're going to start to evolve some because those are good defensive minds. I talked with Coach Collins, who was a, a young dude coaching the DBs. Yep. And, you know, I, I was asking him, like, Obviously, they wanted you, but how did you still kind of be true to yourself? But you you got to learn because you're coming in and getting hired by a defensive guy who coached secondary. So it was kind of like a, a tightrope that you kind of had to strike a balance because he's he's a young dude, you know, early 30s, you know, young toddler for a son. Uh, so like you said, these young young younger minds coming in and you know, kind of. Everybody just putting ideas together and combining it and see what you come up with. So yeah, it's it was just cool to to kind of dive into that. That's why I had to ask you that, man, for sure. Yeah, that's what we do on this podcast, man. Everybody, everybody you know, you nerd out. It's like you don't want to, but sometimes you do, and you like almost like you apologize for it, which I don't think you should. <laughs> no, I, ain't I just know that you know sometimes I, I you know I could start to get in the weeds if you let me keep going. Yeah, I'm finding myself this year more so than last year. I'm, my stats are like the amount of stats I have in my brain are like it's too much. Hey. It's almost unhealthy. I don't know. <laughs> when we get into the offense a little bit here, like I have these stats that are just like, why the hell do you know this type of stats? Yeah, I don't know how you do it, man. You, uh, yeah, I think that you were pretty good at math. No, hell no, I wasn't. I got a well, you know, I give credit to PFF. They not the grades. I'm not high on the grading system. I mean, it, it helps an argument when you're able to say Max Harrison's the highest graded guy in the SEC. But more so when they track, for example, with corners, they do a really good job of tracking, you know, targeted passes and how many catches are given up, the yak they're giving up on those uh, offensive linemen, the pressures, the hurries. Same, you know, with defensive. Uh, with pass rushers so you know I was able to gather some of that when it comes to the offense and some of the efficiency stuff um, and you know average depth per target stuff like that so you know when we get into the offense I'll, I'll hit on a couple of those see two of y'all is why we are back-to-back big game boomers best football <laughs> podcast that's what, the stuff y'all do see that's what I'm just saying I'm just saying he voted for just saying he did you got something right because there's not Aaron, much. Aaron statting out, Jalen nerding out, and we got the crown and we held the crown. So we're back, right. back. I'm just right, saying. let's keep it. Yeah. Keep it. Keep it going. 
Okay. Speaking of Harrison, you know, uh, SEC Player of the Week, uh, college football. Uh, he had a Josh National Allen football. week. He had, he had a Josh National Allen week. National Football Foundation Player of the Week. I mean, just national honors. And But, Jalen, you're an offensive guy. So when you face a guy who, who balls out like he just did, you're an offensive coordinator at high school, even at the high school level, a dude just goes crazy. Do you change your game plan or do you say, well, we uh, we can still get him. I still see holes in this game. We're going to attack him anyway. Kind of like, you know, kids commit. The, the Smith twins and Corbin just committed to uh, Kentucky after the Corbin Douglas game. Well, every offensive lineman in the state, well, if I can pancake these boys, I put that on my huddle. So you, you go at them even more. The, you know, you get extra attention. So, well, your OC, I'm asking you to hypothetically put yourself in Florida's meeting room. Are they going to go at him more? Are they going to say, oh, let's, let's maybe change what we thought we were going to do? Are they just going to do what they were going to do anyway? How do you think they will approach playing a guy who just went nuts the yeah. week before they got to come play him? No, we, man, we just played one of the best high school football players I've ever seen uh, last Friday who – Starting quarterback, also start safety, uh, and he went nuts on us too, man. So, uh, he, you know, it, the thing is with guys like that, it, it all depends on the player. Like if he's a super, super aggressive player, then you try to attack him where, you know, you try to use that against him, right? Use his aggressiveness against him, right? Double moves, that type of thing, you know, um, put some eye candy motion in there, misdirection, use that against him, but – if it's a guy who just, you know, he's the best player on the field sometimes, and I had to learn this lesson last Friday, sometimes just stay the hell away from him, you know, because uh, they, they, you know, they will find a way to beat you if you let them. So, um, you know, some players, man, they just, you know, they just, it's just, the ball just finds them. You know, it, it's hard to explain. The ball just finds them. I've been playing football for since I was six. I've been playing sports since I was five. Still can't really define what that means. But the ball just finds some guys. Um, it just happens that way. Some guys are extremely talented and extremely, you know, physically gifted to where they're going to make their plays if the ball is in the area. Sometimes guys are super heady and they're always in the right spot. Sometimes the ball just finds those guys. Sometimes the ball just finds guys for no reason. So um, I think, obviously, Harrison is a good player. But also, he's a guy to where he seems like he's always around the football. Was that him who got the toss back from uh, Andrew uh, Phillips? Okay, I, okay, I was just double check. I couldn't remember. He's doing really good things too, though. Yeah, um, yeah, he is. The interception numbers aren't there, but the pass breakup numbers and yeah. man, you look at some of his coverage; it's sticky. I, I'd argue in coverage, you know, Phillips is the one who's playing better of the two. Harrison is. I, that's not a slight on Harrison. I just think in coverage, you look at Phillips, man. They got they got two lockdown outside corners. They they really do. And Phillips, he obviously a versatility, move him into the nickel. Yeah, so if I'm Florida, yes, I have to be aware of where he is. Uh, if I'm a quarterback or if I'm an offensive coordinator, I got to make sure my quarterback is aware of where he is because, you know, you don't want to let the guys that can beat you beat you. Um, and sometimes that's, it's easier said than done if they're a super good player. But right. 
if you can avoid them, you know, you try to avoid them when you can. You know, sometimes it ain't going to happen. Sometimes you got to throw the ball to his side if he's that type of player. Sometimes the ball's got to go to where it got to go. And, you know, maybe you get him, maybe you don't. But, you know, some of those, you know, Deion Sanders type, Patrick Peterson when he was in college type, uh, some of those type of guys, try to stay try to stay away from him. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense, man. And you said you want to get us some stuff too. Uh, what offensively? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really interesting with this. Liam Cohn made a comment on on Tuesday when I was asking him about, you know, Leary, Devin Leary was talking about how, you know, he wants to take some of the layups more. And this offense this year, it's really, they're explosive. Like I keep saying it, but it's just, it's different, right? Jalen talked about how offenses, you know, they're starting to kind of get back to that ground and pound and 12 personnel, even 13 personnel fullbacks. And that's what, you know, Mark Stoops, that's what the backbone of this program. But you look at this offense, man, they're passing more than half the time and they're throwing it deep. Like his average depth of target, which is just how many yards in the air your your throw is going on average is 11.6, which is well in the, in the top tier in the country. And he's throwing, you know, he's throwing passes of 20 pass yards or more on almost 20% of his pass attempts. So he's only hitting on 34.8. So that's when you're putting the ball into more risk, obviously, is throwing it down the field. And when you looked at him in North Carolina State, he did a re- not he wasn't a game manager because he did make throws down the field, but he did a really good job of when that deep shot wasn't there, getting it down to the check down. And I just feel like that's kind of been something Kentucky hasn't done well enough yet this year. I'm not counting the broken play where he got really lucky that Ray <laughs> Davis was right there. Like that's not a check down. That's a broken play so um just it's been interesting with that and then same thing in the run game man like they're really explosive they have nine runs 20 yards per more so like that has their average up to five and a half yards per carry that sounds great but if you take those nine runs out they're averaging under three yards a carry so it's kind of been an all or nothing offense and i'm just i want to get your perspective on it as as qbj on like you don't want to get rid of a quarterback's aggressiveness. You don't want to get the offense being aggressive and being explosive is a great trait, but you got to find some sort of balance. I think the, because they're relying so heavily on the explosive play, that's why you're seeing those 10 to 20 minutes where the offense can't do a damn thing because they're not able to manufacture the five yard runs that we saw Benny Snell and Chris Rodriguez have for years. We're not seeing those seven yard passes, whether it's just hitting a receiver on a short slant or, you know, getting it down to a running back. I just think, you know, having some balance there is kind of the key to getting this offense unlocked for a full day. Yeah, you got you want to have you want to be layered on offense. And right. One coach that his quarterbacks always do that well. He always preached that is Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, no mm-hmm. doubt he's always preaching that. He's always you want to be layered. You want to be able to sustain drives and take, you know, four yards, five yards, six yards, seven yard bites out of the defense. But you also want to have the ability, which obviously they do, to attack the, the field, you know, attack the team downfield, attack the defense, you know, down the field vertically. Uh, so having a vertical and horizontal game, I mean, I think Kentucky has good enough run game, good enough running back. Well, I mean, shit, well good enough running back. Um, quarterback is mm-hmm. good. I mean, they can manufacture. It just comes down to staying away from the bad snaps, staying away from the penalties, right? Um, you know, you don't want to make your quarterback gun shy by preaching, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over. 
But, you know, also, you, you know, you find that you got to preach to them, hey, our players are good enough to where we drop the ball down to them, you know, three yards downfield. They may get you 10 or 12 or 20. Uh, so I think that's the big thing, man. It's just, you know, taking what the defense give them, right, having a good offensive structure which in which they do to take what the defense give them so they can just, hey, we don't have to do anything spectacular. We just got to do our job. Quarterback, just distribute the ball, right? Distribute the ball to the open guy. We have all conference players on offense. Get the ball in their hands and let that guy who you just threw a five-yard route to, let him go 15 with it because right. he will eventually. And he'll, he'll eventually go 40 with it, especially Barry on Brown and, and Ray Davis. I mean, they'll eventually go 40 yards with it if you just consistently try to find ways to get them ball the ball in space. Obviously, way easier said than done, as we know. Sure. However, um, you want to be able to have a run game like, you know, the years of Benny Snell and Chris Rodriguez, where it just seemed like every time they handed the ball off, they fell forward for five yards. You know, as a, that that is right up Stoops' wheelhouse. Yeah. That's his yeah. life. That's what he wanted to do. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's the backbone of the program yeah. right there. It, it is. It is. <laughs> and, and that's what he always wanted to be. Uh, now he does now, and obviously he evolved to say, "Hey, yeah. we got to bring a guy in here to." Throw the I ball. Mean, they're now, throwing the crap out of the ball. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and maybe it'll end up, you know, being a good thing for them when teams start saying, "Hey, we can't allow this guy to beat us downfield." Yeah, they're gonna we have to respect out, that. Yeah, to, they got to respect it. Offensive line gonna keep gelling, and you know, the yeah. running back room is well good enough to win you games. Not even be, you know, sustainable. They, I mean, they can win you games. Correct. Uh, so. I think, you know, I think they just got to keep chopping wood, man. I, I think, you know, they're good at quarterback. Offensive line is pretty solid. They're going to get better. Receivers are really good. Running back, you know, like I said, tight ends are the strength of the offense. You know, if you want to really argue about that, they right. are. You know, as far as being diverse, run game, pass game. I mean, shoot, they got – they in a position where they can put four tight ends on the field and, and sustain. Right. You know, most people in college can't do that. So that's pretty good. Yeah, and I think, yeah, the quote that had me go on this whole thing is, you know, uh, Liam said, let me find it real quick, but it was more or less along the lines of they basically, they didn't really like design an offense that was meant to take all these shots and have all these explosives. It was meant to be like we were just talking about the balance and the layered stuff. So it's kind of, they're just kind of going against their identity a little bit, but that, you know, that's what's been there at this point in the year. And I think with the run game, you're right, the running backs are, it's, a, it's an excellent running back room. And Jatan McLean, I thought, had his best game as a running back, as a Wildcat this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, a great side. yeah. and then, you know, Sumo, Karen, Karen Java, they got to get him the ball because he can, he can make things happen. But it, that one starts, I think, with the interior of your offensive line. The tackles are playing pretty well. Jeremy Flax has been so much better this year, which is huge for this offensive line because that was a big concern, obviously. <clears throat> but – at guard, man, I mean, they need Kenneth Thorsey back. They miss number 68, so I'm not sure he's going to be go going this weekend. It doesn't sound like it. Um, I know he's probably is chomping at the bit, especially because they're playing Florida and he's mm -hmm. from there. Um, but, you know, they need him back, and they, they just got to get Jagger Burton comfortable again. I'm glad they made the move they did to put Eli back at center. But, you know, they, to run inside the tackles and get some of the inside zone stuff that they've done so well for years, man, uh, they got to play better at guard. Um, so, and <laughs> this is a tough, this is the, the best part of really it's strength on strength when you're looking at Florida and uh, 
Kentucky, man. Two really, really stout run games and two are two stout running back rooms, I should say. And then um, two stout defensive lines. So this is not necessarily the get right week uh, on paper for the guards, uh, but man, they re- they really need some better play out of Jagger Burt and they need some better play out of Dylan Ray as long as he's in there for uh, for Kenneth Horsey. Has Tanner Bowles got any snaps yet? Yeah, he hasn't really. That's kind of one I've been a little. I mean, I guess I I was having a conversation with somebody about it. I'd give him credit, but they're kind of like, you know, he sat for five years. So maybe he, at this point, he is what he is, and that's a reserve. Uh, but yeah, he's on the depth chart every week as the backup center and as the backup of right guard, one of one of the guard spots. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's an option, but they haven't gone there yet. So yeah. I, I guess, you know, Dylan Ray and Jagger Burton are the guys for now. And I would assume, you know, Ray goes back to the bank world. And I, I cut right, Dylan Ray, I give some more slack to uh, because he is a career tackle and he was a guy they brought in as a walk on that played so dang well in, in fall camp that he, he earned this job to be kind of a plug and play guy at both guard and tackle. So, you know, I do give him a little bit of a break, but they, they just, they need better guard play no matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he didn't even really beat around the bush when he was asking about it, you know? Yeah. Which you gotta love. You, you gotta love that. Now, um, you know, speaking of injuries too, you know, you mentioned it too, when the first happened. Ron Gaines out for the season, yeah. the long snapper. I know, right? You know, of all people, whatever kind of injury, yeah. He's sustained. Well, the good news is obviously not good news at all because he's hurt and he feels kid. I think it's his last year of eligibility, so yeah. never want anyone to get hurt. But the good news from Kentucky's perspective is, I guess he wasn't long snapping on Saturday and there were no issues. Like none of us noticed it. So that means there were no issues because uh, uh, Heimbach was uh, Heimbach was been the short snapper um, was doing it on Saturday and was fine. So, you know, the special is like, I think Jalen said it earlier, special teams have been playing pretty well. They had the one muff, uh, I think in the Akron game, but other than that, you know, the field goals are going through, the snaps are good. Uh, I think, I think they're in good shape on that unit. So just more so feel really bad for uh for Ronald games there. Yeah. And getting touchbacks on kickoffs most of the time as well, as far as special teams go, you know, uh had the penalty with Dane patting homeboy on the head. <laughs> so that- <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. I know like it's not funny for the, for the uh, coaching staff and for Dane, but crowd, that was a funny, funny one right there. The- <laughs> Yeah, they needed – hey, they needed a big game from him, and, you know, they got it. So that, that was all good. Yeah. So, like you like you said, Jalen, game five, game six, catch a rhythm. Um, sophomore slump, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, for Barion and Dane, and then now they can kind of catch a rhythm. This will be Jagger back – at guard for another game, so maybe he can catch a rhythm, kind of getting people in place consistently yeah. instead of kind of moving around. He was at center, now he was at guard. He struggled at center, he got rattled, now he got moved. So, you know, getting pieces in place to kind of keep them there if if they're able to. Yeah, man, you know, consistency, you know, is what births um, – you know, the rhythm and the production you want on offense. I mean, it's just what it is. It's just having guys in a spot. This is what you do, and you do it over and over and over again. Um, just like everything else, man, naturally you develop some some consistency, which which brings about production and, and rhythm and, and success. So 
Um, you, you definitely want that. Now, I do think it is good to, if you have to go about moving guys around like they have, um, it's good to do it with the, the schedule that they've had so far, you know, because now yeah. you can allow guys to gain experience. You know, somebody goes down, hopefully not, but it happens in football. You can shift guys and move guys around because they have experience playing that position. Uh, so you always want that as a coach. I've been around coaches who, you know, they'll they'll move guys. If they know they're playing a quote-unquote lesser opponent, they'll make it a point to once they are up 14 points yeah. or so, they'll start to really shift guys and move them and make them play positions that they're uncomfortable playing, but will help the team, you know, barring injury or barring some type of absence of guys. So uh, I've been around coaches who, if they're up against a lesser team and they are a running team, they'll spend the whole game throwing the football. I've seen that, especially in high school. I mean, the whole game, like they are a 80% run team, but they're playing a team they know they should beat. They'll throw the ball 80%. Right. So, uh, you know, I think it's a good, it's a good tactic. It's, it's the, it's just the chess match of coaching. It's just the, you know, there's always, um, there's always monkey wrenches thrown in it, man. There's always something that you got to do that maybe you didn't think of, or maybe you did that'll manifest itself later, or maybe it doesn't, but at least you're prepared for it if it does. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, makes sense. Oh, anything else y'all want to hit on? Yeah. The Gators. Yeah. I just think, again, just to bring it home, I think. You got to win this game. <laughs> like I know it's it's way easier said than done, but it is a just a massive game, man. These last eight games, you know, we talked about how I think Kentucky's schedule is one hundred thirty second out of one thirty three. Like they have not played a good schedule. Uh, that's a, that's a conversation for another day on setting that up in the future. But um, now I, I don't know what it is. Now it's got to be one of the hardest schedules left because you're playing. You know, you're obviously playing the, the rest of the East. Vandy's out of the question there. Uh, the way Missouri and Florida have kind of surprised people, you know, those games got a lot harder than we may have anticipated in the preseason. And, you know, you got to give credit to the to the school up the road, man. Like Louisville, I know they haven't played many guys either, but they look better than I think anyone would have thought year one under Jeff Brom. And they easily could be a 6 and a, uh, 5 now going into their biggest game of the year so far next week uh, against Notre Dame. So, you know, you got eight legitimate tough games left on the schedule. And this one, you know, Florida's a – a really good defensive team. They've got two stud running backs. You know, Pearsall's a pretty good receiver. Uh, Mertz, you know, I don't like the term game manager much because I think it's a little disrespectful to what the quarterback's doing. It's the hardest position in sports, as you well know, Jalen, in my opinion. And uh, so he's been extremely efficient. He's completing over 70% of his passes, but he's not beating you down the field. We talked about how with Kentucky's uh, offense, you can't, you know, you can't let him beat you downfield. With Florida, you, you, you kind of early in the game could because they're not necessarily going to. So um, they, they just got to take advantage of this game, man. Like compared to some of the other games in the schedule, this is a winnable one. It's at home. I know it's at noon, but the crowd's going to be there. Doesn't the game time's overrated in my opinion. They'll be fine. And uh, I think Kentucky's going to win. I've felt pretty good about it this week, um, but it ain't going to be easy with the way Florida's playing defense, even though it is a young too. I was just looking through their They just put out their depth chart, man. It is a young, like young Florida team. So they're going to come in there, you know, 
I'm feeling like they don't have that much to lose. Um, and they obviously have, for the guys who were on the team last year, the motivation of what happened in Gainesville and even the year before that for any of the older players. But there are a lot of juniors, a lot of sophomores in that starting lineup, um, a lot of freshmen in that starting lineup. So, you know, you got to go win this football game. It, it is crucial for if you want to go where you want to go this year, you got to get this one. And that works two ways. You know, there's people in the Kentucky locker room now that right. we right. know we can beat Florida. Exactly. And that didn't used to be the thing when you no. lost 31 straight. Now, you know, hey, I was on the team when they came to Lexington two years ago and lost. I was on sure. the team when we went down there last year and beat them. Right. That factors into it as well. You yeah, know? and I think from what I've heard this week, they've done a had a pretty good balance of using that confidence and also just wiping it off and saying mm -hmm. like it's a new year. Like yeah. you know, last year didn't happen. You know, mm -hmm. it's on to this year. So I, I think it's a good balance. I think this team, you know, for the most part, is in a pretty good headspace for most of the guys I've talked to. So um, again, I do expect them to win. I know a lot of people are picking them to lose this one, but I think when you kind of watch Florida a little bit, and I was telling you guys before the show, I I didn't get to watch their game against Tennessee because I was um, at the, covering UK and Akron. And, you know, I didn't come away. I, I came away impressed more so with the defense, but even then, like, this defense, while they're ranked 15th in the past, a lot of that is because they played a third-string quarterback against Utah, and they had a guy in there who was running most of the time, and they still gave up a 70-yard shot in that game. Uh, they played McNeese, and they played a mobile quarterback from Charlotte. Like, Charlotte's quarterback was a throwback, run-only guy. So, you know, they have not been battle-tested through the air. Devin Leary is the best quarterback they've seen this year. And that counts Joe Milton. Not, I would say the best quarterback from just doing everything. Joe Milton has the better arm. We all know that. But, you know, this is – this is a matchup that I think can – like I'm still worried about the Tennessee matchup because Tennessee can put up a ton of points and Kentucky's offense hasn't proved they can do that yet. Like I know Tennessee hasn't broken out yet. They still can. They have it in them. I'm worried about next week for Kentucky because it's Georgia. Georgia could beat anybody. But I think this is a team that Kentucky actually matches up pretty well with. Go. Uh, um, so if they lose, it's my fault. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think you know, somebody mentioned the Dolphins. I think they just scored again on Denver. Was it Chosen uh, Anderson again? 70. 70. Oh and this God. is the league, the league that says parity more than any other league, the NFL. And you got one team scoring 70 and one team scoring 20. Uh, Sean Payton trying to get back to the booth. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I, it's so funny you said that. I was talking to the guy. Like he must feel like such an idiot right now. Like he could be sitting on that TV money, talking all the crap he wanted about how coaches suck, and people would listen to him because he did an outstanding job in New Orleans, and he he built up almost Hall of Fame resume there with the Saints. Yeah. But he takes this job, and they are a train wreck, and it doesn't look good on him because they look like they've gotten worse from a year ago. But that Dolphins offense, my God, they have like. Between Hill, Waddle, who didn't even play, by the way, against Denver, uh, the A-Shane, uh, the rookie from yeah, Texas A&M, yeah. the speed <laughs> they have is unbelievable. And I, but Tua, I've always been high on Tua, so I'm happy to see him having success. Actually, I was the last team in my 10-team fantasy league to take a quarterback, and I took Tua, and I look pretty good right oh, now. Oh, man. So. And go 70 ahead. points. Go ahead, Jay. No, I was going to say, you know uh, – Yes, Miami did just go on Denver again. I, I mean, I, 
That, that game was – I never thought I'd see a 70-point game. And they sat on points at the end. It could have been yeah. worse. It could have been the record. Worse. All they needed was a field goal for the NFL record, and they they showed some class and didn't take it. <laughs> Man, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was just – my my first thought was maybe that's just, you know, what you whatever you call it, karma, whatever, Sean Payton, man, how he's doing. Russell Wilson called him out in the media and all of this. Maybe that's what that is. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, whatever it is, I don't want no parts of it. I mean, you get 70 points scored on you in the NFL game. That's, uh, that's, that's you know, that's unheard of. And he popped off about how bad it was when he got the job of talking about Hackett. Yeah. Now, I mean, they play each other in a couple of weeks, and if don't let Hackett and the Jets beat you. Oh my! Oh. They, have two, they got two straight toilet bowls with the with the Bears. This with the Bears looked so bad, man. And I hate this being I was right. This guy stinks, guy. But I just never. Saw, I saw people hyping up Justin Fields as MVP this year, and I was just like, oh, "Are we watching the like? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I don't know ball. But are we watching the same guy who's got? He just looks scared in that pocket, and he doesn't." get the ball out and man they're a mess in chicago and they're, they're, i don't know about you guys I, for what you've seen in the nfl i feel like there's like there is a lot of parody in I mean you got to give credit i know you don't even want to talk about it then you got to give credit to arizona not even for the win not even for the win though they played well against the giants they played well against like they're playing good football for a terrible roster houston just kicked jacksonville's ass they're playing some good football like and some of these really like the Bengals have looked terrible for all three games. You know their defense looked okay this past week, but they're off. I know Burrow's hurt, but like I feel like there's been a lot of bad football being played in the NFL. Like turnovers are up this year. Um, just bad decision, bad coaching making across the league. Like outside of the Dolphins, the 49ers, and maybe a couple other teams. Man, like no one and can't. I'd say Kansas City too. I know they lost Week One, but that was because two of the best players on the planet weren't playing. Like there's just like no one is impressing me this year. It's almost like, I don't know. It's I've been kind of shocked with the low quality of NFL football we've kind of seen through three weeks. Yeah, I kind of hope to do I, I, I'm starting to like the Dolphins, man. I, I, oh, yeah. They're going to put 80 on the Giants in two weeks. I'm mentally preparing <laughs> myself for that. Yeah. They, go to, they go to Buffalo while it's still warm, so Buffalo better watch yeah. out. It's not like it's going to be, you know, 20. No, they got, they got the right time to go to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. They caught a break there too. Um, so yeah, but yeah, the Cowboys, the red zone, you know, I know you had a couple of linemen out, but it was still just a bad decision. Yeah. And you know, Diggs is a blow too. But, yeah, that sucked. You know, I really hated uh, to hear that. And you, you get it to 21-16, you you're settling for field goals and you're right there, and then you bust the coverage and give up a big play yeah. and it was just, you know. I think I just think you show up to play. They didn't even look yeah. at the play. And it it makes me I was I was skeptical about McCarthy when he took over play calling duties, and this didn't do anything. That's just not going to help it. Yeah, yeah, I know they've struggled a little bit in the passing game early, but you know, I, I honestly, I think Dallas will be fine. I think that game said more about what Arizona's coaching staff is doing and getting the most out of their guys. Because again, they played really well against Washington Week One, and you know, Washington's not great. We just saw what they did. <laughs> we just saw what their way what they did against a good team. Yeah. They got their ass beat, but. You know, they obviously took a 20 nothing lead on my Giants who were in the playoffs last year, and the Giants came all the way back. But, like, they've played above what they should be, and I think you got to give credit to their players and give credit to their coaching staff. And same with Houston, man. Houston more so. Like, C.J. Stroud, I was 
I think a lot of people might have been wrong about him. He looks like the real deal so far, and maybe he's the guy who's going to break that Ohio State quarterback curse because uh, it wasn't Justin Fields, and I, I think it might be CJ Shroud, though. I don't know if you've seen what he's doing in Houston down there. Like, Even though they've only won one game, he's played well in all three. Going back to the Cardinals, just this just – Josh Dobbs terrorizing me again like he did in Tennessee. <laughs> he was a Kentucky and, killer, man. And he, he was killed Kentucky. And he, I mean, he was – He'd been yeah. limping yeah. past safeties. He was on one leg out there. Yeah, he played great against the Giants too. Yeah, He's playing well. Good for him, man. That's a great story. Like, I know. Put the Tennessee stuff aside. Like, the yeah. guy who's been a career backup, was a fourth-round pick. He's on, like, his fifth different team. He gets traded to Arizona after the preseason, I think. I think the preseason was, like, over – Aerospace so like, engineer major. Just, yeah. Oh man, he's an amazing story. Like I, I ran into him like. Oh right? Yeah. Yeah. I ran into him not far from where I live, about probably around a month ago or so. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I recognized him. Like, damn, that's that's Josh Dub. But uh, but yeah, he you know he he's just a he's just a, a steady player, man. He just he, he's not a great NFL quarterback. No. But he just gets it done. Uh, and he's he's good enough to keep his job, you know, which is he's doing his thing, man. You got it. You got to respect it. If the Jets had him instead of Zach Wilson, they their playoff hopes are still in good shape. I'm I'm just the Jets defense is so damn good. They've got some playmakers and like that's just, Zach Wilson. Oh my god, he's the worst quarterback. One of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. Like he is. I feel I I feel bad for him at this point because he's supposed to be sitting by an Aaron Rodgers and maybe learning something, and he gets thrusted into this thing and he's getting all the blame. But at some what point is it the coaches for letting him still play and like not you know I know they just brought in Trevor Simeon, but like Tim Boyle, former EKU uh, Colonel there, you know he has some NFL starts under his belt. Give him a shot. What's the worst that can happen? Like it's almost impossible to be as bad as what Zach Wilson's been. Like. At one point, it's on the coaches. It's it's on the coaches for letting that happen. When you got Joe Namath throwing your hands up again, oh, at everybody, yeah, that's and, and then look, you got Aaron Rodgers trying to push the two between. It's just a mess. It's the it's the same old Jets. It's the same old and Jets. Joe Namath won that Super Bowl in nineteen sixty nine. The Jets haven't done much of nothing. Since they haven't done anything. Since. They haven't been to one since. The fact that he hadn't snapped on them before now. Is, I know is impressive. In yeah, fact, that's he waited crazy. 55 years to really just like, I'm letting all, all I'm sick and tired of all y'all. Yeah. Everybody got to go. And if you know, you're the defensive guys, you ain't got to like each other. But if you, you know, if if you what did he say? If you're not pointing your finger at Zach Wilson, get rid of them guys too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wants to kind of and the thing is they are like they are that locker room is gonna explode if they don't bench Zach Wilson. And yeah. again I feel bad for him because he's not good. Like it's a known commodity. They brought in Aaron Rodgers for a reason there and uh right. you know, the Achilles happened and you get thrusted into duty but man they they're they're just the Jets. That's the best yeah. way I can put it. They're the Jets. He had a, he couldn't he can't be using the win as an excuse that made it. Oh, last year. Yeah. Do you feel like you let the defense down when you lose ten to three? No, that's that's right. So oh. he didn't he's do the, he I, I was curious to see if he's matured, and I went and listened to his press conference, and he has. So I give him that. Yeah, yeah that's why yeah. I feel bad for him at this point because yeah. it seems like he's taking steps personally, but. His game is just not good, and sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. Learn from your mistakes. At least he's learning from mistakes. That's good. Got- that's exactly right. You can't 
can't fault the guy. And who knows? I, I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe he's the next Geno Smith, where nine years, nine years into his NFL career, he becomes a top 15 core. Like Geno Smith is balling, and this guy is in his early 30s, and it took him nine years to hit a stride. So yeah. I think he's he's the story of anything's possible when it comes to NFL quarterbacks. He's like the minor leaguer in AAA for 14 years. Oh my gosh. Finally gets up to the big time. You know? thir- they scored 37 two weeks in a row, and he's making these. And you watch them, and it's like these throws are like, where has he been? <laughs> hey, man, sometimes it just takes the right combination of players and coaches. And That's right. Maturity and growth uh, to it all, for it all come together, man. So I think that's that's what happened with him. Yeah. Well, man, I think this is what happened with us. We had a, another good episode. Appreciate the knowledge. Aaron Gershon, Cats Paws, to read all the stories, all the content. The cover story he just did the other day. Y'all check that out. Um, Jalen Whitlow, former kid quarterback, training sessions, coaching, got a full plate, but helping these young ones, you know, come on up and learn the position. Be prepared to be a student athlete in this day and age. So uh, always bring good stuff to the episode. Yo, check out the, the audio or go back and watch the live streams. Be available everywhere. Appreciate y'all taking the time to tune in and look forward to talking about Kentucky being 5 and 0. We'll talk about Georgia next week and whatever happens throughout the SEC, NFL, you know, Kentucky basketball practicing men and women to be. Seeing what's going on with that. So it's it's that crazy fall, September, October. <laughs> everything's starting to happen. All uh-huh. You know, World Series coming around the corner. All that stuff's happening here soon. So we're talking about all of it here. I believe in Kentucky. I believe network. And we'll see everybody next Wednesday. Go cast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.